0: You are not suffering life. You are suffering the two most important faculties that you have: a vivid sense of memory and a fantastic sense of imagination. Both you are suffering. You go. All I knew was I've hit a gold mine. I don't want to lose it. I had no word to describe what is happening within me, but I knew I've hit something that I don't. This is the very first time you can sit here and talk to the entire world. Do not underestimate this. If at all ever in the history of humanity, we can transform human beings, this is the moment. This is our time on the planet. What we make out of this damn world is ours, whatever we make out of it. We should make something that if we look back and see, at least in our minds and our hearts, it must look good, isn't it, what we have done.
1: Thank you all so much for coming. Um, this is an absolute privilege to be around, surrounded by so many light workers and, and people who are doing amazing things in the world and are curious about self-transformation. Sadhguru is a yogi, he's a mystic, he's a visionary, he's a New York Times best-selling author running one of the largest non-profit volunteer-ran based organizations in the world. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's spoken on many forums like the World Economic Forum, United Nations and other prestigious platforms across the world. His books, his teachings, his courses have transformed the lives of millions of individuals including myself. Um, Sadhguru, your teachings, your books, the courses that I've been to, Inner engineering and Shunya have been a major source for my own personal growth and spiritual transformation over the past four years, so thank you so much. Without further ado, um, I just want to say thank you all. Within 72 hours we were able to pull off this gathering of incredible influencers, incredible power players, people who are really on the path and uh, it's really, a tr- it's truly a privilege to have Sadhguru here with us today, so thank you so much. Namaskaram.
2: Jananam Sukadham Maranam Karunam Milanam Maduram Smaranam Karunam Hai, sakalam Karunam Samayadipate Akilam Karunam.
0: Namaskaram, good morning, everyone. Hello, I
1: said good morning. Good morning. morning. Hello. Good morning. I thought you're not in talking terms with me already. (laughs) Yeah, so many of the people here are familiar with your work. And um, if we could start with you describing, you had an experience at the age of 25 years old which completely transformed you. And uh, you said that within this experience, within six weeks, lifetimes of memory flooded your very being and if you could just elaborate, and if you could explain further what that experience was like in the weeks to come. (laughs) See,
0: uh, I see that in almost every place you go, particularly in uh, spiritual spaces, usually a whole lot of people are talking about how either the childhood childhood was bad or abusive or they were unhappy and this happened, that happened, all the terrible things happened and how they came to some spiritual experience and everything changed. Well, uh, I was not a spiritual seeker by any standards. I had no any kind of connection with my... with India being what it is, it's tradition or religion. I grew up... A-religious, totally. Uh, probably between eleven and seventeen, a strong atheist. Uh, then started a business because uh, I rode motorcycles across India, crisscrossed India a few times, and I got stopped at the borders. And I was uh, nineteen, almost twenty, and I did not know what's a passport. I've been riding since I was 11, 12. Eighteenth birthday, within a month I went and got my driving license. I thought that's my passport to the world. I'm saying in today's, today's world, a five-year-old child would know what is a passport, what is nations, what is borders, what is rules, everything. I didn't know nothing at twenty <laughs> All I thought was my motorcycle can take me across the world. So when they stopped me and I realized I need documents and money to go somewhere, so I went and started a business of my own. Well, it became successful, then I started one more and one more, half a dozen different things. So uh, when everything that you're doing is successful, you slowly… You know, it so happens that the planet is not really going around the sun, it's going around you. So everybody's clapping their hands, you're doing great and this is fantastic, that's fantastic. So, I'm a young man, uh, super cocky and doing good <laughs> for myself. So slowly, this uh, round-the-world riding that I wanted to do started receding as you became more and more successful and you also get more and more entangled, you know, so many things. Half a dozen business to, to run, so morning to night, something is happening all the time. Then one afternoon, I… I think all of you know about this, why is you making me say this <laughs> mm, There was a tradition in India, I mean in Mysore, that's a town where I come from, you know Mysore? You heard of Mysore? I should rule, now it is. So uh, the thing was uh, for the youth in Mysore, if we want to test our motorcycles, we rode up Chamundi Hill. So a small hill near inside the town. If we want to party, we go up Chamundi Hill. If we fall in love, we go up Chamundi Hill. If fall out, you have to go up Chamundi Hill. If you have nothing to do, you end up Chamundi Hill. So one afternoon between (laughs) business meetings, about a two-hour space I had. So not knowing what to do, I just rode up Chamundi Hill. I parked my motorcycle, went and sat up on a rock that I have seen on the hill was very familiar to me, I've camped there. I've spent days there trekking and right from my childhood. So, I know the place very well, one of those big rocks, I went and sat on it. Till then, I thought, this is me, and that is somebody. I have no issue with that somebody, but that's somebody, this is me. And uh, for suddenly, in a few minutes, I did not know which is me and which is not me. It was all over the place. What was me was just everywhere. And uh, I thought this lasted for about five, ten minutes, maybe 15 minutes. But when I came out of it, about four and a half hours had passed. For the first time in my adult life, tears, me and tears were impossible. I lived like that. But tears to point my shirt is all wet. Every cell in my body is dripping ecstasy. I've been peaceful and happy. That was not an issue. You're young, you're successful, everybody's clapping their hands about you. So what's the problem? It's not that being peaceful or happy was an issue, but this was something else. I'm just exploding from within. And when I shook my very pessimistic or very skeptical head that I had, I was a super skeptic about everything. When I asked my mind, what's happening? The only thing that my mind could say was maybe you're going off your rocker. Then to the closest of my friends when I shared, something is happening to me. Hey, come on, what did you drink? What did you pop? Tell me. What did you… You know, this is our time. This is a certain time, sixties, seventies <laughs> Well, I knew there was no context to my experience. I had no knowledge about what it is. I did not have anybody around me who could tell me what it is. All I knew was, I've hit a gold mine, I don't want to lose it. I had no word to describe what is happening within me. I had no explanation for what's happening within me. I had absolutely no clue what's happening, but I knew I've hit something that I don't want to lose. So in about a few weeks, when I saw If I just sit somewhere like this, uh, I realized that if I don't mess with my mind, every cell in my body just explodes. All I have to do is keep my hand out of my mind. Well, this started happening more and more often. Like, uh, no, the second time it happened within about three, four days. I went and sat at the dinner table in at my home. And I thought, it's just two minutes. Seven hours have passed by, I'm sitting right there. I have no sense of time. Like that means, boom, it's just gone. Days. Once it happened, I was in my farm, I went and sat there. And I thought I sat there for about 25 minutes. When I opened my eyes, a huge crowd had gathered, India being what it is, there were garlands around my neck, everybody's trying to pull my feet. Somebody wants to know about his business. Somebody wants to know when his daughter will get married. Somebody wants to know where the borewell he should put for water. I said, where the hell did you all come from? <laughs> because I just closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and all these people are here. Then they said, you've been sitting here for 13 days. I had no sense of time. If I simply close my eyes and open my eyes, one day it just poof, it's just gone. Because time is a very relative experience. Have you noticed in your own lives, on a certain day, you're very happy? Twenty-four hours, just gone, isn't it? Another day, you're a little depressed. Twenty-four hours feels like a eon. Human experience of time is very relative. Not everybody experiences one hour as one hour, twenty-four hours as twenty-four hours, or hundred years as hundred years if you're very, very joyful, uh, time, boof, is just gone like that. So, as this started happening, uh, because he's already mentioned it, memory just flooded, all kinds of images, all kinds of people, all kinds of situations, which I have never touched in my life till then. Then the skeptic that I am, I started traveling once again because clearly geographical locations and people and details were there. So I traveled to all those places across India. I wanted to travel to some parts of Africa, which I never made. But uh, after some time, it was clear that what I am seeing in my mind was clearer than daylight. It was just absolutely clear. Since then, what's happened within me, I can never put it into words, even what's happened around me is too fairy taleish for anybody to believe, because I wouldn't believe such things. I'm made like this, I don't believe anything that I do not know firsthand. Or maybe it's true, but I will never believe anything that anybody says. It doesn't matter, a prophet comes down uh, or God comes down, I will not believe it. I am listening respectfully. It has to happen to me. This is the kind of hard nut I've always been. And things opened up in ways that are simply unimaginable. And that day when I went up that little hill, I went up as a really smart young man, successful, hugely appreciated by everybody around, half the town knows me like that. But I came uh, came down like a bloody fool because I didn't know a damn thing after that. So since then, I've been sharing my ignorance and people are happy with it.
1: <laughs> uh, I, think that's, <clears throat> I think that's a beautiful segue um, into, you know, you speak about bursting with bliss and ecstasy within yourself and you also talk about how fear anger stress anxiety these are poisons that we drink and expect the other person to die <laughs> right wrong way
0: to shoot them thanks.
1: <laughs> and you know the problem the, the problem the issue is right we're so close to our own bs we're so close to our the issue that it's tough for us to gain clarity oh, no, about no, no,
0: no. you must remove the b human beings don't do bs they do just s
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, no, but it's, it's real, right? We're so close to it, and, and so it's easy to see where others lack and the issues that lie in other people, but it's hard to see our own S. <laughs> so if you could explain, how does one gain true clarity for our own boundaries and our own limitations in the pursuit of self-transformation?
0: If we must first of all understand what is transformation. Transformation means you want to change the very form that you are right now. Not the physical form. Your persona has a form. You're that kind of a person. Transform means you want to transit from that form. But right now, most people's idea of transformation is they want to make improvements. Improvements are just decorations for what is already there decorations will fly in society but decorations will not fly when you're alone isn't it hello you decorate yourself nicely in front of other people it means something you're alone what does the decoration mean i'm saying and essentially we must understand within ourselves we're always alone fortunately huh? the whole damn city is crowded at least this one space is just for me hello Isn't it? Nobody got here. I know people, I'm sorry, you might have told your partners, I'm holding you here, but uh, I will not disturb that. But here there is only one person fortunately, isn't it? Huh? There's only one person. So here, what does decorations mean? What does making up things mean? means nothing. Maybe in the society, you have to do some game, you have to play some game, I will not interfere with that. There also, if you reduce the games, it'll be wonderful. But that's a social life. What kind of social life you have chosen is your choice. I will not intervene with that. But how to be within you? Here, no decorations needed, no falsehood needed, no any kind of pretensions, projections needed, because here, just you. Nobody can see, isn't it great? Hello? Here's just you. Here, all this nonsense is not needed. If you. what you do in the world around you, depending upon your profession, your social position, whatever, so many. so many games everybody has to play in the world. If you play the same things here, then misery is inevitable, okay? If you're not miserable, I'm not happy. That is, I know this much. Whether it's outside or inside, unless you do the right things, right things won't happen to you. Hello? Right now, there is a whole expectation that you can do all kinds of silly things and tell a prayer, and everything will be okay. For a long time, people have been taught these kind of things. Don't worry about anything, he'll take care of you. Hello? And how many horrible things human beings have done thinking somebody else is going to take care of them. How many most horrible things, most idiotic things, silly things, absolutely inhuman things, human beings have done simply because they think there is support from elsewhere. Yes or no? Hello? Too many horrible things they have done, isn't it? Generations of people, if you look back on the history of humanity, all the most horrendous things we have done is simply because we think there is help from somewhere else. Recently, there's been a certain amount of controversy around me because uh, I said the worst crime that humanity has committed the is the idea of heaven. So in India, everybody, all communities, Hindus, Muslims, Christians, everybody against me because they're all thriving, selling tickets. why i said this was this idea there is a better place than this is a terrible idea hello Hmm? there is a better place than this is a horrible idea i'm asking do you have any proof that you are not already in heaven and making a mess out of it (laughs) hello if you look at this planet from elsewhere stand on the moon and look down this looks like heaven hello but some idiots are making a mess out of it and idiots reproduce yes so transformation means not a little change not a little decoration to your life transformation means a total transformation a seed becomes a tree Do they resemble? Hello? Does the seed and the tree resemble? If you did not know the relationship between a seed and a tree, and I show you this little seed and say, take and plant it in your backyard, it will become a huge tree. Would you believe me? So this is rubbish. This can become a tree. But it does. So this is transformation. Even you, your parents just gave you one cell, microscopic. Look at you. (laughs) If I showed you in the microscope, see this one, you could… this could be about transformation, we are not talking about our own some fancy idea. (laughs) But this is how life happens. Life is always transforming itself. So when we talk about transformation, we are not talking about our own some fancy idea. We are just talking about being life. It is only… One's mind, which has become like a concrete block that you can't change its shape. Life is always transforming on all levels, isn't it so? If your life transformation is natural, if you become a set of ideas, prejudices, philosophies, belief systems, thoughts and emotions, then very hard to change. Forget about transformation. Even to change one simple thought is a big deal. People work an entire lifetime. The most ridiculous thing on the planet is this. Suppose, suppose, you you are 50 years of age. No, none of you are maybe, but I'm just saying. Suppose you became 50 years of age and you still don't know how to use your fingers. You have normal hand, but you don't know how to use your fingers. What should we think you are? Then you can poop on.
2: <laughs>
0: Right now, please look at this. Most people, 50, 60, 70 years of age, still they do not know how to use their thought and emotion for their well-being. Yes or no? If your fingers are like this, they'll go and poke your eyeball. <laughs> and it hurts. Would that be madness? If somebody starts poking their own eyeball and starts hurting themselves, would you think they have lost it? Right now, a whole lot of people using their thoughts and emotions to constantly hurt themselves. Have they lost it or not? Their only comfort is, everybody is like this only. Majority is with them. And it's a democratic country, so you cannot argue with the majority. But I'm saying, If we do not understand how to use our own faculties for our well-being, then what is there, I'm asking in life? The world will not happen the way you want it to happen. Never. It'll happen 100%. To some extent, it'll happen our way. Do you believe any day, some day in future, world will happen exactly the way you want it? Do you believe that? Hello? You're dreamer, dreamers, huh? Come on. Do you believe the world will happen exactly the way you want it on one given day in future? Even if you're just two people together, the other person doesn't happen the way you want. Yes or no? Nobody in your life happens hundred percent the way you want unless you have a doll. These days, that's why many people shifted from human beings to dogs, because they happen more the way you want. But they also do their own thing. Hello? They are also doing their own thing, isn't it? Nobody happens your way. But this one person must happen your way, isn't it? This person must happen your way. The moment this person doesn't happen your way, you are a lost case. That one, that one, that one, that one doesn't happen your way. It's all right. We try to turn them around our way a little bit. That's about it. But this one must happen hundred percent your way. If this doesn't happen your way, this is a gone situation.
1: That is what you're calling as yeah, whatever the alphabets, you know. So for a a whole lot of people, um, life is not happening the way that they want it to, right? And especially during Covid right now, during this pandemic, suicide rates are skyrocketing, mental illness, Um, domestic abuse. And so when life really isn't going our way, how do we start to, where do we begin when people are so helpless?
0: See, let's understand first what is life and what is external situations. This is life. This is society. Hello? Right now, you want all of them to happen your way. They're not going to happen. (laughs) You want microorganisms in the world to happen your way. They're not going to happen. Hello? What is a virus thing? You want all the microorganisms to behave just the way you want them to behave. Because nearly 52% of your body, in terms of numbers, 52% of your body is actually other organisms. Your genetic material is only about 48%. So these are all working for you. So you have no problem. One guy doesn't work for you. So you're freaking the entire world. This life, life means this, because you have only experienced this one life. Isn't it so? Hello? Have you experienced any other life? Is it possible? See, do one thing. Take your hand, touch the person who is sitting next to you. Please do this and experiment. See, you think, you think you're experiencing that person. No, you're only experiencing sensations in your hand, isn't it? Hello? You cannot experience that person. This is the nature of life. You are only experiencing the sensations in your hand. You do not know what's happening in their hand. You cannot. You can do some guesswork. But you can only experience what's within you. So, when you say life, you must understand you're talking about this life. Life is not happening the way. What do you mean life is not happening the way? Life is happening the way you want it unless you're COVID positive. (laughs) You're not yet. So life is happening the way you want. Society is not happening the way you want it. Economic engine is not running the way you want it to run. So many other things in the world what you were expecting, a little dislocated. Yes, it hurts a bit here and there, but life is here. This is the only thing you can experience. You cannot experience that. Right now you made yourself in such a way that your inner experience is created by external situations. Then you have a whole cosmos to manage. Hello? Now you have a whole cosmos to manage because your inner experience is determined by everything that's happening around you. Well, all the best. You will never know a moment of forget about joy, blissfulness, ecstasy. You will not know a moment of ease in your life. That is why, why, you know, Uh, This is probably a very sensitive subject to touch in California. Uh, That is why alcohol, drugs, so many other things have become so popular simply because people do not know how to sit at ease. I was in New York City some time ago, a large gathering. I asked how many people in New York City can sit in the evening peacefully without even a glass of wine. I'm using wine as a basic dose. Many graduated into many things more. Uh, They debated and then they said uh, maybe five percent. And next week I was in London, a prominent group of people, I asked them the same question, how many people in London can sit in the evening peacefully without even a glass of wine? They said one percent. I thought they were more harnessed. Los Angeles, 0%. (laughs) How many people can just simply sit at ease? It's not there. They have to do something chemical to be peaceful. To grow food, we need chemicals. To be healthy, we need chemicals. To be peaceful, we need chemicals. To be joyful, we need chemicals. For everything, we need chemicals. But I'm asking you a simple question. Is it true that the most complex and sophisticated chemical factory is here. Is it true? Is it true? So the question is only, are you a good CEO or a lousy CEO? Isn't it? If you have the most complex chemical factory right here, are you running it well or are you running it badly? That's all the question is, isn't it? If you're running it well, you're blissful. Outside situations, not going according to your plans. I want you to understand it's not just for you. Even for me, all my plans upside down. (laughs) All 2020, 2020, my plans were all 14, 16 months ahead. All programs canceled to get the advances. We paid for the halls around the world. We are, (laughs) they also don't have money. We also don't have money. We are haggling. Everywhere, all advances were paid across the world, trying to just get back a part of that advance. Our people are working hard. A lot of people just not picking up the phones. Really. So everything is upside down. So should I sit and cry? No, I got onto the motorcycle and joyfully riding across America. (laughs) What else to do? Just four wheels, I reduced it to two. (laughs) We have over, you know, a few thousand people in the center, both in India and here. So, I have physical responsibility of them, feeding them, taking care of them. We have free schools to run, we have big projects which we have committed to, we have to run all those things. But all the revenue has become zero. But these commitments you have to fulfill. For the first time in my life, I've become a global beggar, going from place to place, begging for money, because all these people are on my hands. There were 5.2 million farmers who are depending on me. I can't just let down the project. So knocking on all kinds of corporates, all these people, those people, whoever has money, begging for the first time, I must tell you, from the age of eight, I never took one rupee of pocket money from my father. From the age of eight, I earned my own money. I was always very proud of it. I never asked money from anybody. My education, my everything, my expeditions, everything was funded by me. For the first time, I've become a beggar, going place to place, but joyfully doing it, what to do. We've taken responsibility of everybody. For my own survival, I don't need anything. I'm very competent about that (laughs) But these big responsibilities you have taken for this, you have to beg. So is it a nice prospect for me at this stage in my life? No. But what to do? That's the reality.
1: Hello? (laughs) Everyone wants to be able to just sit and and be at ease. And we actually, a few of us woke up at three this morning and went to the Darshan in, in Diamond Bar. And... It's amazing, right? And, and, and at, you see at the courses and the ashrams, people are at ease within themselves. They don't have to be dragged to do things that are good and positive for their well being. And so, my question really is how, right? How and is responsibility the first step in order to take action for, for our growth?
0: The um, first and foremost thing is just this we must understand that human experience is being generated from here. Hello? Is that so? Your joy, your misery, your happiness, your struggles, your peace, your turmoil, your agony, your ecstasy, everything comes from here. When all human experiences come from within, at least what is coming from within must happen the way you want it, isn't it? Hello? You're getting serious, all of you. Hmm? <laughs> And I'm telling you, that's the only malady people have in the world, that people have become dead serious about their own lives and they're, dead, they're taking themselves too seriously. They don't understand. They pop up like that and they pop out. Hello? We're just here for a brief amount of time, isn't it? If all of us just sit here like this on the lawn, after some time we'll become part of the soil here. Visit it long enough, I am saying. Yes or no? <laughs> but human beings have taken themselves too seriously. This happened. Uh, a lady went to sleep. In her sleep, she had a dream. In her dream, she saw a hunk of a man standing there and staring at her. Then he started coming closer, 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 closer. She came so close, she could even feel her breath, his breath. She trembled, not in fear. Then she asked, ''What will you do to me?'' The man said, ''Well, lady, it's your dream. (laughs) You can do whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) It's your dream. What's happening in your head is your dream, isn't it? Hello?'' Now, the problem is not about life is not going the way you want it to go. Even your bloody dream is not going the way you want it to go. That is the problem, isn't it? As a generation of people, never before another generation in the history of humanity knew the kind of comforts, conveniences and many other things that we have today. Yes or no? Hello? Then what are you complaining about? compared to your parents, compared to your grandparents, aren't you living in far more comfort than ever before? So you should not complain. At the most, what will happen to us? And maybe, maybe it's possible at the end of another year, we may have and live with like how we were 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago. This is what bad economy means, I'm saying. The economy means every year, year on year, in America, it must be growing to 3%, 3 3.5%. In India, it must be everybody expects it must be going at 10%. All right. (laughs) So if it did not grow, what it means is, in a year's time, we may be how we were 10 years ago. In two years, if it continues, we may be how we were 20 years ago. But believe me, maybe none of you remember Twenty years ago, things were fine. Hello? <laughs> there was nothing really wrong with us. We were fine. Since then, many steps we have taken. A few steps, if you backtrack, nothing is going to happen. Anyway, it's fashionable to wear torn clothes. What is the problem? Hello? <laughs> well. When we were young, when we was riding, we, I, because one thing is, it's on a motorcycle, so we, I just rode with two trousers, always, denims, all torn, so I go to the local cobbler and have it stitched here with a piece of leather, here one piece of leather, everything, it was a must. But now you're doing by choice, so you prepared for bad economy, really no problem. Diet is becoming simple because that's considered healthy. Diet is simple, clothes are torn. you good. <laughs> Nothing to bother about. If you're joyful, it's okay. Maybe we'll have 50% of what we had in 2019 is all right. I'm saying, see, I'm already two 50%, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <sighs> I would love to get your opinion. There's this quote that I love by uh, astrophysicist Hubert Reeves. It says that man is the most insane species. He worships an invisible God and destroys a visible nature unaware that the visible nature that he's destroying is the God he worships. And you can see this in many different facets of life, in many different industries, right? Um, I heard you mention earlier at the Darshan that over 190 million, close to 200 million land animals every day are slaughtered. That's over 70 billion a year. Um, And I just think about that, right, and I think about including the marine life, trillions of animals each year are being killed, um, not out of necessity. And so how can we reconcile this mass amount of suffering that is happening?
0: See, uh, this, for example, right now I am on this Exploring Spiritual America trip. We've been on the road for twenty one days now, uh, covered little, I think around six thousand miles, and still another five thousand plus miles are there. How this started was about seventeen, 17 years ago, I happened to be in Cookville. Uh, there's a place called Central Hill Lake.
2: Mm,
0: Somebody offered a small cottage there for me to stay because I I was writing a book at that time and I wanted some time for me to just sit in a place where I'm not disturbed, where there is no phone connection and, you know. (laughs) So I was there and I just took a walk in the forest and then I saw something there energetically, something that was there. I would say probably that's the most painful moment in my life. I saw something connected with the Native American people and it was in such a state of pain that it just deeply, deeply tore my heart. So that's when we decided we will set up the center in that place and I inquired, what is this about? What's happened here? Then we came to know, we're that place is the Trail of Tears, the Cherokee were removed from there and things happened. It's not just about death, it's a human pain. Uh, I've found many such spots, particularly in the United States, very painful places and uh, These things that we are doing is not only to animals. We do it to anything and everything, all right? To human beings, what have we done? Animals don't speak, but don't think they don't curse. <laughs> don't think they don't suffer. They do. From anywhere between 50 to million, fifty 50 to 60 million buffaloes at one time, they brought it down to 325 can you believe it hello do you know this there were 50 to 60 million buffaloes ranging in the american plains in a matter of eight or ten years they brought it down to 325 those 325 if they were shot there would be no buffalo on the planet, no bison on the planet. It's a bison, but Americans call it a buffalo, like they call the Native uh, Americans as Indians, just like that. <laughs> I'm not real Indian, you know. <laughs> this was done strategically. Uh, killing people would be considered very inhuman. Just kill their food, and they die anyway, somewhere. You don't have to... See, if you kill somebody, you will have to bury them, this is a problem. How many do you bury? You take away their food, they will die somewhere. It's not your business, you know. From fifty million to three-twenty-five. Can you imagine the slaughter? Can... I, I was just... When these tribal leaders were telling me, I was just trying to imagine fifty million animals in eight to ten years, you reduce it to 325. How do you do this? From 1970 to 2016, we as a generation of people have killed 68% of the vertebrate population on the planet. Of course, all this is done in pursuit of human happiness. I'm asking, why the hell are you not happy? First of all, why are you pursuing it? Why are you pursuing it? Why are you pursuing something which is supposed to happen within you? Hello? If love, joy, happiness, peace have to happen, they need to happen here. Why are you pursuing it in the world and obliterating every other life? It's just insane. Only now because it's threatening our life, everybody's talking ecology. I hate ecology because this is life. All these trees are thinking your ecology, bad ecology. They think they are life, and your ecology, isn't it? Hello. See, if any other species had done what we are doing on this planet, would we not have found some kind of gas, some kind of chemical, some kind of bomb to finish them off? Hello. Right now, see, we want a vaccine for the virus. Every other life here thinks we are the bloody virus and we are. Hello? By the end of this century, they are saying 80% of the insects will be gone. Nearly 40% of United States bees are gone. Do you know bees going means it's not just about honey. It simply means you can't grow a damn thing after some time. There are no insects to pollinate and make things happen for the plants. If all the worms disappear right now, in eighteen months' time not a single life on this planet will be left. If all the insects disappear, in four and a half to six years, not a single life will be left on this planet. If all the microbes disappear, right now life will end. But if all of us disappear, planets will flourish, this planet will flourish. So, we must understand who we are. It's not because of us, the world is spinning. This bad idea, which is put into people's minds in the name of religion, that the… every other creature was created to serve us. Please go and ask an ant if it wants to serve you. Hello? It thinks you're a bloody bully. Hello? Yes or no? Does the ant want to serve you? The bird wants to serve you? The tree wants to serve you? Nobody wants to serve you. They have a full-fledged life of their own. It is in accepting, respecting and involving them in our lives. We have a right for our nourishment. Every life has to kill something to feed itself. We also have to do something. But there is a way to do it, isn't it? The way we are doing it is not the way. This is too cruel. For this, if we don't pay a price, what is it? We will pay a price. We are paying a price. If we don't, our children will. We will live with the fear that our children will pay the price. That is bad enough, isn't it? And the problem is right now, See, we are running a project called Cauvery Calling. I'm trying to revive a whole river basin, which is about 83,000 square kilometers. Ah, it took six, seven years to change some policies in the government, in the central government, in the state government. These things we achieved six, seven years of continuous work. Now we are on the ground creating this. People ask, Sadhguru, why are you going like this? Like, like your life depends on it said, God damn it, not my life. Your life depends on it. I'm capable of going to any part of the world and live comfortably. I'm capable of that. You, most of you are not. Where you are is where you are. Just to tell you the seriousness of this, in the summer months in southern India, southern India means it, it was one of the richest peninsulars on the planet in terms of agriculture. We have an agriculture history of over 12,000 years. We farm the same land. We grow three to four crops per year on the same land. But today, 52% has been declared as fallow. In just 40 to 50 years, I've started using fertilizer. So, reviving this, we have a whole plan, which we have proven with over 70,000 farmers reviving their lands, and now we are aiming at this 5.2. The situation is like this. India runs on monsoons. Monsoon is a rain that comes from the uh, Indian Ocean. Two consecutive years, if the monsoons fail, what will happen? Right now, in the summer months in southern India, bore wells or tube wells, as you call them here, go 1,200 to 1,400 feet. And they run only for five to seven minutes in summer months. If you pump it for five minutes, you'll have to wait for two, three hours for it to fill up, and again pump for another five minutes. If two consecutive monsoons fail, people will die in millions, and the civil unrest that will happen out of it when they have no water to drink is unimaginable. But we are going on as if (laughs) it doesn't matter. Over 300,000 farmers have committed suicide in in the last two decades because the soil has gone fallow. Desertification is happening. Our volunteers in the last 17-18 years have planted over 38 million trees and increased the green cover by about 7.2% according to the government records and the Google Maps show about 11% increase. This is a concerted effort. This effort happened successfully simply because we did something experiential with people. Well, there were no rains continuously, two, three years, big, bad situation, agriculture. Then I told them, see, you need to increase the green cover, otherwise this is not going to change. How do we do it? How do we do it? I said, see, this is very simple. Only thing is, you have to commit yourself for this much. How many do we need? I said, we need 114 million trees to make... 16.5% was the green cover they had. I said, if you make it 33% green cover on this land, you will see, you will have enough rains. There are 114 million trees, who is going to plant? Then I asked, what's your population? They said, 62 million. I said, if all of you plant one tree today, take care of it for two years, plant one more, it's done. Hello? Why is it all of us are eating, drinking, breathing, but why is it when it comes to compensatory action, we think somebody else should do it? So today I just did a simple thing, I made them sit in hot sun. When they were really exhausted, I took them under a tree. (laughs) (sighs) You know, it feels like… You must see, if you sit in the hot South Indian sun for two hours and then go under the shade of the tree, it feels like heaven. I too, I put through a spiritual process for them. See, what you exhale, the tree is inhaling. What the tree is exhaling, you are inhaling this effect. Hello? That means one half of your breathing apparatus is hanging out there. Once I made thousands of people experience this, now you can't stop these people from planting trees. <laughs> Everywhere, over 200 different organizations have come up and they're all planting. We have planted 38 million. They all have planted together maybe 10, 12 million. I'm saying this is all it takes. If all of us plant one, wait for two years to grow up and plant one more. It's a done thing, isn't it? But we don't do. We want some calamity to happen. Till then we won't do. Right now at least a soft calamity you're having. This pandemic is a soft calamity because you don't know what's a hard calamity. In this generation has not seen any really hard calamity. You've not seen World War II. Huh? Hello? you not seen that kind of famines or that kind of, you know, asteroid did not hit when you are there. Those are real calamities. This is a soft calamity. You know? You go to play baseball, they're not throwing a curve at you they're just doing an underhand ball at you that's what a pandemic is God damn it hit it well huh <laughs> hit it well I'm saying <laughs> it's a soft ball compared to things that our people have gone through isn't it yes sir
1: I can't help but to think uh not only the privilege, but the opportunity that we have here today, just to give it context, about seventy two hours ago, I get a call from a partner saying that Saguru is coming to l a <laughs> and uh and within that time, we were able to curate this experience again, just to give some context, like the influence of the group at this at this gathering is after I added it up around eighty million mm-hmm. the reach and so I see that. And, and I really want to do some, do some good with it. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to get your opinion on what we can do to infuse seeds of transformation into all of our content, into our media, and what can we do as people who have the privilege of having a voice in this day and age, to use it for the betterment, upliftment of society.
0: I know all of you know this, that's why you're in that uh, medium, but still, I would like to put it in context. See, many great beings have come in the past. Uh, Krishna came, a wonderful being but he could talk to only one person and that guy has hundred questions. Shiva came, he is the Adiyogi, the source of yoga. (laughs) He tried to talk to his dear wife, she has a thousand questions, won't listen. Gautam Buddha came, Uh, he gathered a few people. Uh, But if he spoke, hardly fifty people can hear. I mean to say he didn't have microphone. I'm saying this has been the history of humanity. This is the first time, this is the very first time you can sit here and talk to the entire world. Do not underestimate this. If at all, if at all, ever, ever in the history of humanity, we can transform human beings, this is the moment, because this is the first time we can even talk to them. Boop, boop. <laughs> I'm earning disciples. <laughs> my teams are going like this, Sadhguru, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> so, no <don't> touch.
0: <laughs> Not just uh, dogs, even human beings. If I go some near somebody, say, Sadhguru, Sadhguru, no. So, uh, this is the very first time that we have a real opportunity to transform human beings. Because never before we could even Talk to them. Probably about uh, 17, 18 years ago, my journey on this online thing started like this. I was here in Tennessee and uh, I was in the office and working with some people and someone told me, Sadhguru, every day about 100,000 people type the word spirituality. I said, really? That many people? What are they looking for? I said, type it out. Let's see what comes out. And uh, they typed out the word spirituality. The first thing that came is a spa in Mexico. The second thing that came was a call girl in Northern California. She's doing all spiritual, spiritual, spiritual stuff. She's she's the S.U.O. you know. Then I said, this is a shame. What is this happening? So that's when I decided I will go online. And today across the world, in some 17 different languages, we are supposed to be touching 1 billion people. But that's not my idea of humanity. I must tell you this. At that time, on that hill when things happened, I was only 25 years of age. And you know, I can't say this to you, you're a young group. But now that I'm old, I can say, There is no fool like a young fool. When we were young, we used to think no fool like a old fool. Those of you are in between, you're lost. (laughs) So I was twenty-five and I realized that if I don't mess with my mind, I'm ecstatic. I thought, who would not want this? This is it. This is it. I've found this. This is it. And I sat down and made a plan. The population on that day was 5.6 billion people in the world. I made a plan, this is it, in two and a half years' time, I will go like this in the world and I will make the entire world ecstatic, in two and a half years' time. Thirty-eight years, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I've been working seven days of the week, 365 days but it took me some time to realize how deeply people are invested in their miseries. They are so deeply invested. If you show them the best thing, they say, no. But today, you don't have to knock on their door. You can just slip in. Huh? Hello? You don't have to knock on their doors. You slip into their pockets, which is Closest thing to their heart is their phone. You can slip into that without their permission. On that day, I also inquired with some so-called experts in this internet affairs. I said, so many people are on the internet because I never get to browse, see this and that. Life never allows me such things. I said, what are they looking for? And very casually, he said, Sadhguru, 70% of the data is pornography. I said, What? So, yeah, I didn't believe that. I checked out with a few other people. They said, ah, oh, Sadhguru, something like that, Sadhguru, it's not too far, somewhere there. And then they tell me, some 2.5 million children are being sold on the internet. I said, what is this? When we get a technology that we can reach every human being, what we do is sell our children. What's the matter with us? Hello? You can't sink anything below selling your children, isn't it? Hello? A human being cannot go anymore. There's no further below bottom than this. So if we give you a great technology, you will sell your children on internet. Maybe somebody else's children. I said that day, we got to go shamelessly on internet. People said, no, no, Sadhguru, it'll not look good. A guru going on the internet. I said, I don't care. We will go all out. Since then, we've been out. Please, uh, in whichever way you think I can help or you can help, let's make this happen because in our generation, this is our time on the planet. What we make out of this damn world is ours, whatever we make out of it. Hello? We should make something that if we look back and see, it looks good for us at least. Even if other people don't approve, at least in our minds and our hearts, it must look good, isn't it? what we have done hello all of you who are empowered with technology you must make this happen one way or the other huh that when we turn back and look we are not ashamed of what we have done this is one thing every human being should do it doesn't matter what nonsensical judgments other people make about you you should not be ashamed of what you have done isn't it by your own standards i'm saying you don't have to go by my standards or somebody else's standards, but you should not be ashamed of what you have done. That much every human being must do, especially if you're empowered in some way. You must do that. Let's make it happen.
1: Beautiful. With uh, Without further ado, then I would love to transition into Q&A from the audience, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we can go from there. So, Emily, if you would like to hand out the mic, uh, if you have a question that you think would serve the group, um, Please raise your hand, and I will pick someone. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to them, I'll let them ask, no? (laughs) Whoever wants. Go. Go, yeah, Emily, please.
2: Are
3: we up here? Cool. Hello. So on that note, a lot of us being internet people who spend a lot of time looking at screens, I've noticed that there tends to be this oscillation between Feeling really good after doing like a morning practice or breath work, and then you go back on the screen, and it's like you're back into the matrix, and it's this oscillation of being and doing. And you talk so much about being. So, how can we bring that being into the doing as well?
0: Why should you think it's either or? Why is it either or? It's not so. It's happened because you're trying to be. Don't try to be. I'm asking, do you exist right now? 100%. You exist. So, you're here. You don't try to be here. You're anyway here. All this has happened because of so many teachings and teachings all over the place. I'll tell you a secret. You know how to write. Hmm? No, not like this. You know how to write. So You take a old very ancient looking parchment and write like that, whatever nonsense you want. And say you found it in your garden and you had it tested and it says it's 3,700 years old. Believe me, you are the Messiah. Because people have this fetish and problem. Anything that's from another time must be fantastic. Who the hell told you People who lived here 2,000, 5,000 years ago were smarter than you and me. I don't believe that. Hello? <laughs> is that so? Do you think so? No. So, this, these teachings and teachings have come. People have been saying, be in the moment. I think this is this arises, I don't know exactly where it arises. I think the capital must be Los Angeles. Be in the moment. I'm saying, be, please be somewhere else and show me. Can you be somewhere else right now? What they're telling you is, do not think about the past, do not think about the future. Or what they're telling you is, Please forsake all the evolution that happened to you and once again become an earthworm. I'm not trying to insult the earthworm. It's very eco-friendly, which whole of California is trying to be. The problem is, it took millions of years to give you a brain of this capability. Now somebody is teaching you, do not think about the past, do not think about the future. If you're eating an apple, just eat the apple. God damn it, you can be bloody eating the apple and think about ten different things at the same time. That is what this is geared for. Hello? (laughs) So, if you incapacitate yourself, you will be peaceful. Yes, of course, if you're dead, you will be peaceful, I know that. (laughs) Peace right now is, first of all, a whole lot of people think peace is the ultimate goal of life. Even so-called spiritual teachers are going about saying, peace… peace of mind is the ultimate goal of life. Such people will only rest in peace. This happened to me (laughs) I was to speak in Tel Aviv, so I flew out of Atlanta. And uh, because of some flight delays and stuff, I was to land in mid-morning and speak at 6.30 in the evening, but uh, I landed at 6 o'clock in the evening. So I quickly changed in the airport, and I'm rushing. Because in these 38 years, I have not been late to a single event. Somehow, I will make it. <laughs> so I quickly changed and left, but I'm famished. You know, I'm flying an American airline, there's nothing edible on the damn plane. (laughs) So uh, I've not eaten anything for nearly twenty hours plus. I'm very hungry but what to do, my time is running out so I ran to the place. And this doesn't happen to me too often. And the venue is a fine restaurant. Very nice people, they arranged a meeting in the restaurant. I thought, this cannot be any better. When you're so hungry, that's exactly where you want to go. (laughs) Then people were already coming in and people were wishing me and one person came and said, Shalom. I asked him, what does it mean? He said, this is the highest way of greeting. I said, well, that's your opinion. But what does it mean? He said, no, no, this is the highest way of greeting. I said, all right, what does the word mean? He said, it means peace. I said, see, why would peace be, be the highest way of greeting unless you're born in Middle East? In South India, if somebody comes up to me in the morning and says, peace, I'll say, what's wrong with you? Huh? <laughs> I'm saying, whatever you deny yourself, it will slowly rise to heaven. Now people have become so barren. If you say love, they say divine love. If you say peace, they say divine peace. If you say bliss, they say divine bliss. These are all human things exported to heaven by miserable people. Hello? Are you capable of peace? Are you capable of love? Are you capable of joy? Hello? You're capable. Your problem is sustainability. You're not able to stay there, isn't it? You know many moments of peacefulness, joyfulness, ecstasy, everything you know. But you're not able to stay there then you must ask me that question, Sadhguru, I am capable of peace, joy, love, but it's seasonal. Like the flowers, like the trees, I've also become seasonal, what to do? Then there is a solution for this, there is a process for that. But if you hang on to these kind of things, absurd things, when I say absurd, are you right now in this moment? Hello? Hello? No, I was thinking of New York City. So what? You're thinking of New York City in this moment only? Can you think in another moment, I'm asking? Your problem is you do not know the distinction between what is psychological drama and what is existentially true. That's all the problem is, isn't it? If drama picks up momentum, (laughs) drama picks up momentum, you don't know what is real, What is psychological? What is social? You have a body, you have a mind, and there's a world around you. Uh, For convenience, I will call this BMW. Body, mind and the world. All these three things must run the way you want them. World, will it run 100% the way you want them? The world? So we try to make it as much as possible the way we want it. It'll never work 100%, but we we keep trying and making it as much as possible. As you become more and more competent, you keep on taking the salami slices of the world and make it your way, your way, your way, as your influence grows. Yes or no? But still never the whole world. Because when you turn back and look, the people that you thought you transformed, they become something else again. (laughs) This is the way of life. Body, body has its own cycles. You have to cooperate with that. You cannot just rule it the way you want. You cannot, isn't it? You must follow its cycles. Then it obeys you a little bit. Then you can have it your way, but never 100% your way, because it has its own cycle. You have to manage that machine as it works. When it's well managed, you can ride it well. Not well managed, it troubles you. Mind, this is a fluid. You can have it in any shape that you want. But right now, that is what is most out of control for most human beings. Yes or no? All of you in reasonable physical health, world is cooperating with you pretty well. But your mind not taking instructions. This is because you never understood the nature of what it is. You've gone by concepts and concepts. No, don't listen to anybody. You just need to pay attention. This is one of the worst things that modern education has done to humanity is they made them believe their thought is more important than their attention. What nonsense you think has no meaning. Your thought and emotion is just the data that you have gathered from the societies in which you have lived, isn't it? Recycling of this data has become more important than attention. No, if you want to know life, you need attention. Very intense, keen, sustained attention. If your attention is keen enough and holds for long enough, there is no door in the universe that cannot open to you. Everything has to open to you. But instead of that, we are in recycling business same nonsense over and over and over again, making permutations and combinations of the same rot and think we are doing something new. Nothing new is happening. Nothing new can happen in your intellect because it functions with your data. Your phone, can something absolutely new happen in that? It functions within the data, isn't it? It may throw out so many possibilities, it looks like a whole world by itself. Similarly with your mind. So... One fundamental is to understand the nature of the mind and find out where the switches are. If you're willing to pay enough attention, I will teach you where the controls are. So you bought a big computer, fantastic it is, but you don't know where the keyboard is. You did like this. Caveman technology, you know, what will come out on the screen. Oh, you need to do like this, you know, carefully, touch screen. This is also like that. If you simply do like this, it'll go here. It'll do like that, it'll go there. Huh? Right now sitting here, you can send your mind to space, isn't it? So you must know where the controls are. Without knowing where the controls are, accidentally if you run such a fine machine, do you agree with me? It is the most sophisticated gadget on the planet. Do you agree with me? When you have such a machine, I'm asking you, have you read the user's manual? Hello? That's
1: not the way to deal with that. What an answer. Spencer. Can you pass? How's
0: it going, Sadhguru? It's going. Uh, I thought they wore the cap like this only in New York.
4: <laughs> I brought it to LA. Okay.
2: I uh with Indigenous Peoples Day coming up tomorrow, you've been on this journey discovering native cultures throughout America. Uh, What could we do tomorrow to honor Native indigenous peoples and beyond just one single day, you know, what can we do within our lifestyle? I feel, uh,
0: I'm sorry if it hurts anybody's sentiments, but uh, these 20 days my heart has bled looking at what's happened to these people. Ah, the level of pain, shame, resentment, anger in which they're loving is not good for anybody. It's not nice to leave people like that. It's not human. I'm saying. Ah, well. In every possible way, laws were made against them. What happened historically, we cannot change that. We cannot change the f- past, we cannot fix the past. But today we can do something. Tomorrow we can ensure that they have equal footing and their ways of life is alive because it's going to be very relevant for all of us. As I've repeatedly said in these last few days, Today, for most people, ecology, ecological concerns are in a textbook. These are people who enshrined it in their hearts. That's what needs to happen to this generation of people. If we don't enshrine this in our hearts, we are not going to leave a world that that we will be proud of to the next generation. So in that context, at least they're very, very relevant. Well, the reservations are not... Uh, a symbol of peace or joy or well-being or prosperity nothing most of them a few of them have thrived but most of them are not because see the best way to destroy people is give them food and drink you don't have to kill people just give them free food and free drink it's a done thing believe me In a way, that's what has happened. And reservations, many reservations had millions of acres of land. But laws were made where these reservations were cut into pieces as individual property. And they can buy and sell. Today, some of the reservations I went into, over 40% of the land has been bought over by other farmers who are doing large-scale farming. And Indians are just, those Native Americans are just looking. They don't know what to do because they've always been hunters and gatherers. They don't know how to get into a very industry-like farming practice. So what you think is reservation today may not be a reservation in another 25, 50 years' time. There will be no reservation left because people are buying up land. As we have preserved national parks, In the same way, we must preserve the reservations because these people are natural habitat of this land, of this continent. So if all of you can somehow influence that the same laws which preserve national parks should preserve Indian reservations, that would be a great thing to do. That needs to happen because people are buying up land In thousands and thousands of acres, every piece of farmable land is being bought up. Well, they're not using it. That's the explanation usually. Well, they don't want to use the land. I want you to understand that. Their idea of land is not use. Their idea of land is life. They don't live on the land. They are the land. That's how they've been. We are also land, but we'll get the point only when we're buried. Till then we think we landed from somewhere. Hello? We are also land, isn't it? But they live with that awareness that they are land. Not everything is right or nice about those communities right now, but there are many young people really want to claw their way out of that pit. I think if you can support them in by creating a public opinion, by... Whatever, you take up one one tribe or nation and, you know, bring their problems and their solutions out, at least give them a voice to speak to the world, it'll be a great thing to do. Because you have a voice, if you can give one 2% of your space to them or 1% of the space to them, so that they can speak, it'll be a wonderful, wonderful thing to do because in many ways see see when a nation or a civilization is created over thousands of years of time it happens in a certain way when you try to create a nation or a civilization in a time bound way the only way you can do it is extremely cruel or brutal ways that's all that's happened so it is still in their memory how it happened it's still in their memory what was done to them There is an enormous amount of pain, resentment, shame, anger. We must relieve that because it's not safe, not good, not human on our part. They must become part of the mainstream in every possible way. At the same time, retain their own roots, which is important, for which that protected space that we called as reservation. Actually, the initial deals and laws that were made for such, that space was a nation. Even now it's a nation. They have their own laws, but it's only in the book. It doesn't really work that way. Even if we enforce the laws that are already there, a lot of things could be solved. They don't have the purchase to, you know, even enforce those laws which are right now existing. Only in 1978, they got the freedom to practice their own spiritual practices and whatever you want to call it religion. Can you believe it? Till 1978, all their spiritual practices were banned. So when four generations or five generations of people were dislocated from that, obviously they've lost out. Now they're trying to borrow from each other's tribe and try to bring it back. Well, among them also, there are their own self-created problems. Also, it's not that everything is perfect with them. As nothing is perfect with any given population in the world, all right? Hello? None of our populations, none of the groups are, we can say, are perfect, including us. But are we doing our best is the only question. That's all the question. That question, all of us should be able to answer with one big yes. Are we doing our best? Yes. Have we done perfectly well? No if you're open to every possibility, you know you will never be perfect. You'll always be looking, always there's a better way to do things. But uh, tomorrow being the indigenous people's day, it used to be called Columbus Day. Uh, Columbus, (laughs) anyway. uh, (laughs) uh, Well, he did not discover America. These people have been here for over 40,000 years. So definitely he did not discover. And they're definitely not Indians. Indians look like me, all right? This is Indian. They are not Indian. They were indigenous people to this land. Anyway, that's history. We can't change that. But uh, what has to happen tomorrow, we can change that. Each. I'm not here to advise you what you should do. But if you can give them some space in the space that you have created for yourself, it'll be fantastic.
5: So, just picking back on that question, um, there's in in the spiritual community, especially in Southern California, there's a lot of people who are tapping into altered states of consciousness through psychedelics as well as uh, sacred plant medicine ceremonies which do come from you know, indigenous cultures and um, Native American traditions. And many people, including myself, have had very powerful experiences that have transformed how we navigate reality. And um, I was curious if you could speak into whether you feel that using a tool such as a plant medicine is useful, uh, even when, you know, really the transformation has to come from the inside out versus the outside in.
4: You
0: heard of uh, people escaping from prisons. What is that, Shashank, what? Shashank
1: Redemption.
0: Sosank, redemption, like that, with the spoon. Spoon, eating spoon. With that, they dug a tunnel. Please do one thing. I'll give you a spade. Dig a 50-meter tunnel in this garden, which is soft and nice soil. Try and see. You will see. Everything in you will break. Bones will break by the time you dig 50-meter tunnel. But somebody digs it with a spoon. Because his longing for freedom. Is such trapped in the prison with the spoon? How many people have done this? A lot of people have done it. Not one guy. So, uh, when you become desperate for freedom, you can do many things. A few success stories of a guy digging a tunnel with spoon you heard, but you have not heard of those thousands of people who tried the spoon and all they got is got their hands damaged and stayed in the prison and died in the prison. You've not heard about those guys, isn't it? Hello? Nobody makes a movie about them, I'm saying. (laughs) One success story, we are seeing it. So could it have happened that somebody smoked something, somebody popped something and they burst into some kind of experience? Very much possible. Is that the way to do it as a standard? Absolutely not. It could have happened that somebody attained to something Something through some influence from anything. It could be a chemical, it could be a plant, it could be alcohol, it could be anything. Somebody in some way broke some limitation and something happened, which was transforming very much possible. I'm not saying no. But if you try that as the standard practice, most people will only end up as addicts they will not end up realized. Because any external influences like this, we already went through this. See, experiments have been done and it was found that there are millions of cannabis receptors in your body, in your brain. So that means the brain is always expecting you dope. Yes. Because it's there in your brain. The receptors are there waiting for cannabis. That's why it's legal today. (laughs) No. You are not supposed to go looking for that weed. You're supposed to generate endocannabinoids. Today, we have had these things researched. A group of professors from Rutgers, Indiana University, Harvard University and Florida together came together. Uh, experimenting and investigating and researching this simple practice that we teach as Inner Engineering. Ninety days if you practice, your endocannabinoids are up by seventy percent. You're always stoned. (laughs) That's why I'm not showing my eyes to you. Because I'm always stoned. Never touched a substance, but always stoned. So people ask, doing all this variety of work, you don't know, all the nonsense I do. Too many things, too much management every day. Over eleven million part-time volunteers to get work done from volunteers, you know. One thing is they're not trained for the job. (laughs) Another thing is you can't fire them for inefficiency, they're volunteers. (laughs) They're super enthusiastic, but they don't know a damn thing. With these people, many complex projects doing means, endless management, 24-hour management. People ask, Sadhguru, how do you manage from one to another, to another, you just sitting like this? Won't you lose your mind one day? They look at my eyes. Do I look like I'm going to lose my mind? I already l- threw it away long time ago <laughs> because I'm always stoned. These people are doing a simple practice, if their endocannabinoids are up by 70% in three months, mine is up a thousandfold. She's
2: always
0: stoned too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but... <laughs> 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 but uh, to be stoned on your own self-made cannabinoids or taking it from a plant, or from other chemicals, is a very different matter. Altogether. Because unless your experience of life is pleasant, you will not dare, you will not dare to climb the peaks of your consciousness. It's very important that always you're blissful, then only you have enough madness to go to the peak. Otherwise, you're too careful. If you're on cannabinoids, which come and go, you can't be on it all the time. You know, I was... Uh, these days, <laughs> I'm being invited to all these under twenty-five conferences in India, they want me. Because you know, I, you can see I'm twenty-five, right? <laughs> so, uh, I go to an event in Bangalore, Bengaluru it is now. Uh, it's one of those little. You know, the youth are little, they think they are ahead of everybody in the world. Bangalore city. So nearly 15,000 people are there in an outdoor meeting. They're all sitting like you, 15,000 people. And strong smell of marijuana is all over the place. I said, Sadhguru, you got so much influence in the government, why don't you make marijuana legal? I said, why not? And why just marijuana? Let's go all out. Let's do cocaine legal let's do math legal, let's do LSD legal, let's, tell me the list, I'll make everything legal. But why do you want it to be legal? You want to go to the university smoked up? I said, why not? I said, okay, see, we'll take you on a small plane, plane ride, little plane. And uh, you're waiting, but the pilot comes smoked up. You want to, Go on this ride. Uh, Like that. I said, okay, you're not getting it. You need a major surgery. The surgeon comes smoked up. You want to go through the surgery? Oh, no. So you understand that in some way your faculties are impaired. Yes? You don't want a surgery. Why? Because you know he's not at his best. And you want to go to the university smoked up, you don't want to be at your best. You want to smoke up and sit, that means you don't want to be at your best. Tell me, does life get enhanced by enhancing your faculties or by diminishing your faculties? Hello? If I can see better, hear better, smell better, taste better, touch better, feel better, that is when my life is better, isn't it? If I don't know what's happening around me, I'm in a haze. Is my life better? So I said, see from now on, you smoke if you wish. But don't say you're high, just say you're low. Because you're low. Hello? You are low, at least say you're low. Once you say I'm low, then you will see you won't like it. Just a word. Right now, you think you're low, but you're thinking you're high. It's not going to help. When you are low, you say you're low. You know those alphabets you're using, this is that. <laughs> when you're low, you say, I'm low. Do I like to be low? No. Then do, be, do whatever you want. I can teach you how to be always stoned, but super aware. I can teach you method. You just have to come and spend a week with me. Just a week. (laughs) I
2: want to know how you know what it smells like. Huh? How do you
0: know what marijuana smells like? I grew up in 60s, (laughs) man. See, in India. No, no, I've, I've, uh, from the age of 19, for 27 years I trekked in Himalayas. Last 14 years, I've been trekking in Tibet and Nepal. There are valleys. We walk through valleys where it's this high. You have to wade through marijuana, okay? Nobody ma- nobody bothers to touch it. One some lazy guy in the village will be sitting and smoking. Nobody else bothers about it. It's one some lazy in Himalayas. The Himalayan valleys are like simply a carpet of marijuana, literally you're till here. You have to wade through marijuana and go. So, how did I know the smell? Come on, don't you know the smell of. do, do you know the smell of shit? <laughs> Does it mean to say you've eaten it? <laughs>
1: Uh, Sadhguru, thank you so much for, for being here um, and making this such a beautiful day. No,
0: not me. It's, it's been beautiful. Uh, we all came here nice, but it's already been beautiful. So I, I keep reminding people because this habit is there in everybody. Good morning, Sadhguru. Well, hey, it's not you. Huh? God damn it, it's already good. <laughs> Let's learn to enjoy it. It's a beautiful day. And it's wonderful, all of us are here together. I'm, I'm not attacking at everything, but I want you to look at it because this becomes so much a part of our minds that we think we are making a beautiful day. So we also make ugly days. It's a bad day. What's a bad day? There's never a bad day in the universe. Only some idiots are having bad time. Hello? So it's a beautiful day. Already, even if you and me did not exist... It's still a beautiful day, isn't it? But it's our fortune we are here.
2: Please.
1: Yes, with everybody being here. Um, It's kind of a quick follow-up question. Uh, Like many people here, I have a daily meditation practice. So how do, if without going to the week-long visit to see you, which would be beautiful, I'm sure, what can we do throughout the day to maintain that connection?
0: Let me explain this a little bit because there have been many things happening around the world. See, the English word, the English word meditation is not specific to anything. If you sit here with your eyes closed, we'll say you're meditating. You could be thinking about something, you could be chanting or contemplating something, or you could be focused on something. Or you may be just zonked out. Or you might have just learned the art of sleeping in vertical postures. All these things are possible. So the word, English word meditation is not specific. It's simply too general, diffused. In the Indian languages, there are specific words for all this. If you sit here with eyes closed, you can do japa, tapa, dharana, dhyana, samadhi, shunya, or vertical posture, sleeping. So, uh, we can't help using that word because there is no other word in English language. So let's say meditation. Meditation essentially means, generally we assume, among all these things that I said, the in between thing is called dhyan or dhyana or Dhyanam, as you go in North India, if you go, they'll say Dhyan. If you go little down, they'll say Dhyana. If you go further south where we are, we will say Dhyanam, same thing. The same thing is called Chan, which became Zen. So many things happened culturally. But the important thing is, if you sit here, what is it, what is the human problem? The human problem is a very evolved body and a very evolved mind. If you had the complexity of, let's say, an earthworm or a grasshopper, you would be fine, isn't it? If you had the brain of an earthworm, wouldn't you be far more eco-friendly than all the California people who are desperately trying to be eco-friendly? So essentially, our evolution has become a problem. Our intelligence has become a problem. The complexity of our bodies have become a problem. So one simple thing is just this. If you want to know what is the nature of your mind, and what is the nature of your body, first and foremost thing is to create a little distance from that. so there is a simple process which is available on our apps and everything is free offered to millions of people who are practicing around the world it's called isha kriya initially you do it with a voice support after that you can do it anywhere it's initially 12 minute practice but afterwards you can do it anywhere 2 minutes 3 minutes 5 minutes as you want the important thing is you bring enough awareness between what is you and what you have gathered in the sense What you call as my body is an accumulation, isn't it? When you were born, you were only so much. Now you became this much. How? Food that you've eaten. Food means what? The soil that we're walking upon stood up as food. We ate that up and became like this. So body is an accumulation. Is that so? Hello? Whatever you accumulate, you can say it is mine. But if it is, if you say it's me, then there's a problem, it's like this. You know, this vessel. I picked this up and said, this is my vessel. You will think, oh, Sadhguru seems to be having a problem. What's his problem with his vessel? Who is taking it anyway? But after some time, then you say, okay, he's got a problem, but everybody says he's wise, let's listen some more. After some time, I say, this is me. Then you'll say, let's go. Yes or no? Because this is a clear nut case. What you gather can be yours, cannot be you. But you're doing this every day. Food appears on your plate, you say, this is my food. In 24 hours, you say, this is me. Madness or no? Hello? Everything that you have in your head, this is an accumulation of Food. This is an accumulation of impressions and experiences. Both are accumulated, right? What is accumulated can be yours, can never ever be you. If you create a clear distinction between what is you and what is yours, all your problems are gone. There's a little space between you and your body, between you and your mind. This is the end of suffering. Because you have only two kinds of suffering, physical suffering, mental suffering, do you know any other kind of suffering? Hello? Do you know any other kind of suffering? Physical suffering, mental suffering. If there is a little distance between you and the body, between you and the mind, this is the end of suffering. Once there is no fear of suffering, only and only when there is no fear of suffering, will you walk full stride in your life? Otherwise, it's always a half a step. In our lives, if we do not do what we cannot do, there's no problem. But if we do not do what we can do, we are a disaster. As long as the fear of suffering is there, this disaster is unfolding all the time. Humanity has been crippled with the fear of suffering, simply because What happens in their body, what happens in their mind, they think it is happening to them. Simply because I think I am the vessel. Suppose you put a dent in that vessel, I will suffer for the rest of my life. Hello? Please don't do it. (laughs) Isn't this the problem right now? Somebody said this. Oh, you will suffer for the rest of your life. Somebody did that. You will suffer for the rest of your life. People are talking like this. What happened 10 years ago? You are still suffering. What may happen day after tomorrow? You are already suffering. What does this mean? You are not suffering life. You are suffering the two most important faculties that you have. A vivid sense of memory and a fantastic sense of imagination. Both you are suffering. These are the only two things which set you up, you know, sets you up. Different from the crow. Otherwise, he can fly. Can you fly? Hello? He can fly. Look at him. He's mocking at you and going away. (laughs) You cannot do nothing. But you are all this simply because you have vivid sense of memory and a fantastic sense of imagination. But these are the two things everybody is suffering, isn't it? Hello? People are suffering their past. People are suffering the future which is yet to happen. What is happening right now to suffer? So we usually say in India, if somebody is sitting simply unhappy, say I karma. Because karma means this, they are suffering their own memory. They don't need any outside help. They go on by themselves, non-stop. Anyway, in the month of February 2021, we are releasing a book on karma. Looking at how human beings suffer the complex geometry of karma within our system. See, your body is shaped in a certain way because of genetic memory, isn't it? Hello? So this is also memory. You can suffer that. You are human being. Suppose you like dog food and you start eating dog food. You know, all these 200 million animals, whatever he's saying, it's all dog food or lion food or tiger food we are eating, all right? If you eat dog food, after 15 days, you will not become a dog. You're still a human being because there is evolutionary memory in this. Put whatever you want. This will only take human form. Fortunately, there is no such a distinction, but suppose there was man food and woman food. I think it's happening in Los Angeles. Yes. <laughs> If a man eats a woman's food, woman eats a man's food, it will not change. Because there is, again, genetic and evolutionary memory within this. So, memory keeps on going, there are eight different structures of memory, of evolutionary memory, elemental memory, and uh, karmic memory, conscious and unconscious memories, articulate and inarticulate memories. They're all playing you up. If you don't create a little distance, instead of you being able to use the memory, the memory will devour you. This is called karma. Right now, air is clean. Weather is good. Everything is nice. But you can sit here and suffer. This is karma. That means you suffer your memory. The memory may be conscious memory, unconscious memory, genetic memory, evolutionary memory, whatever it may be, but you're suffering your memory, which is one faculty, which has made our lives complex and sophisticated, isn't it? Hello? If we didn't have such a vivid sense of memory, human beings wouldn't be any better than animals. The possibilities have come only because we can remember all this but most human beings are being devoured by their own memory, isn't it? Imagination is just a projection of the memory again. So meditation means if you sit here, your body is here, your mind is somewhere here, you are somewhere else. Once these three identities are separated, you are able to experience the body, you are able to experience the mind, but you are not entangled with it, then... This body and this mind are fantastic tools. The most fantastic tools on this planet. Yes or no? But that's what we are (laughs) suffering.
4: Hello. Um, So, just going off what Spencer mentioned earlier about Indigenous Peoples Day tomorrow, and you were saying, you know, what we can do is fight for the same protection over the reservations. And then it got me thinking, well, to do that, we'd have to think about interacting with politics. And I'm sure you've had a lot of interaction with governments, with all of the NGO stuff you're doing. What I've noticed, especially in this spiritual community... Well, firstly, what I noticed as, as being a white man, this country and this, most of this world is designed for me to win. Whereas when I listen to oppressed groups, whether it's indigenous activists I've spoken to or uh, the Black Lives Matter group, they are... Adamant and very passionate about people getting out to vote this year. Obviously, this is the election year. A lot of people I speak to in this community, and actually now I'm thinking about it specifically white men, don't really even want to vote. And it's like it hasn't seemed to be an important thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts and wisdom on voting, especially in this upcoming election and the importance of it. What is voting?
0: Franchise. Well, uh, in this country, till sixties, sixty-four, is it? Women did not have voting till sixty-four? Is that sixty-four or sixty-eight? Huh?
1: Nineteen
0: nineteen. Nineteen, women's suffrage movement, Really? Okay. Nineteen nineteen, is it? Okay. So, till nineteen nineteen, they didn't have a vote. At one point, only 11% of the population could actually vote. That's how your electoral college system has come. And probably till 60s, the African-Americans could not vote. Indigenous people could not vote till whatever date. Today, all of it is leveled. In a way, at least in the eyes of law, everybody is equal. Everybody has equal opportunity. This is very important. Socially still, it may not be all equal because that takes a long time. In every society, there are inequalities of various kinds. This is not unique to America. This is everywhere. People who have strength will try to put somebody down, always. This has been unfortunate history of humanity. But the important thing is by law, you make everybody equal to start with. I think this country has come to that place where, by law, everybody is equal. In enforcement, in social prejudice, there are still many things to be fixed. So once by law, it is leveled, the most important aspect of a democratic society is that you have a franchise. You may be white, black, yellow, or blue. You have only one vote. All right. Hello? Hello? only one out because of your skin color or the size of your brain or because of your hairstyle you don't get two you get only one so this must be exercised with utmost responsibility because what democracy means is in this country four years in india it's five years some places it's six years once in four five or six years you can choose who should rule this country people can choose This is a never before thing, in the history of humanity, till about seventy, eighty years ago, no such thing existed, all right? Till 100 years ago, no such thing existed. What it means is, change of power can happen without bloodshed. Never ever has it happened. Change of power has never happened without bloodletting on the streets. It is only now, this is possible. So when such a privilege is there in our hands, We must definitely get up and exercise that privilege with responsibility. What does it mean to exercise our privilege or right in a responsible manner? I see a very distressing tendency in this country, in India. It is happening almost everywhere in the world now. People have already identified to which party or to which something they belong. This is like tribal identity. So what you want is again a feudalistic way of governance. Already you are fixed. Whether they do good or bad, you will only vote for this person or that person or this party or that party. This must go just a few months ago when I spoke in a very prominent, uh, you know, platform in India. I said, this process of political parties having membership must go. They should not be allowed to make membership because I am a member of this party. I'm anyway going to vote vote for them, no matter what the hell they do. Every time when the opportunity comes, we must look from our own intelligence. We may not be perfect in our assessment, but today there's enough information what they have done in the last four years. So you must look from your intelligence, from your choices, and you must choose individually. That's why it's a secret ballot, you know. But already you have declared, I'm this party or that party. What is the point of giving you a secret ballot? The idea of a secret ballot is nobody should know who you voted for so that tomorrow they don't become vengeful that you voted for the opposite party. But now everybody is declaring before the election who they're going to vote for. What kind of democracy is that? This is tribal nonsense. This is feudalistic way of living. So democracy means you don't have to say a word. You read up whatever is there. What have they done in the last four years? Is this a good thing for this country? Is this a bad thing for this country? You decide. This is your right. This is your privilege. You don't have to consult anybody. You decide. You may be right. You may be wrong. But that's democracy. Every time you pick a leader every four years, would you always pick the best leader? No. But it's your mistake. It's okay. It's all right. That is democratic process. It's not a perfect process. But it is the best thing we have found of all the other systems. Yes? Yes or no? It is the best thing we have found. Otherwise, if you had a monarchy, somebody's son, somebody's son, somebody's son will rule you forever. You have no choice. They go on producing generation after generation of idiots. You have to bear with them. Now at least every four years you can change so if you want to keep this privilege, it's very important that I may not like this person, but if people elect him, we should bow down to the will of the people. That much humility we must have, that much sense of giving and taking we must have in the society. Right now, everywhere this is building up that if I don't like somebody who is elected from first day, at least wait for him to make some mistakes, no? Hello? Hello? If you… if somebody that you don't like gets elected next time… What, in another twenty-five days you have election, is it? If somebody that you don't like gets elected, at least wait for some time till he makes some mistakes. No, from first day you say, no, we don't like it. That means you don't like democracy. What do you want? Feudal system? Then you'll go back to bloodletting. Just know this, the moment you do not respect the will of the people, whatever that is, good or bad, then you will go back to the old ways. Old ways is when we want to change power, we will have to kill a few hundred or a few thousand people. Otherwise, power will not change. Isn't it? From hand to hand, power is not going to change simply like that. Nobody is going to give away that power unless you slaughter enough people. But this is the best system we have that way that we can actually change. We can actually change the man on the top just like that because we wish so. But if others wished otherwise and they empowered somebody that you don't like, you must bow down and you must build your number for the next election. Not protest this one. This is very important. Unfortunately, across the world Everybody is losing their sense of what is democracy and everybody is crying, it must happen my way, otherwise we won't accept it. Everywhere in the world you hear the same voice. Somewhere we are getting tired of democracy, we want a monarchy, we want a theocracy, we want a feudal system. You don't know the pain of that. Let's not go back there, okay? Let's move forward. So it's very, very important that all of you must vote whatever you think is right. Do not go by family affiliations or your friends' affiliations, whatever. Personally, just take 15 minutes, I'm telling you, for yourself and your country. 15 minutes. Inform yourself what has happened in the last four years. Is it good for this country, bad for this country? Don't go by all the news channels, nonsense, debates happening. Don't go by that. Just look at the stats, what has happened in the last four years. Is it good for us, not good for us? Based on that, you vote. That's what democracy means.
3: Thank you so much, so much. You are so beautiful and badass at the same time. So I'm so thankful that you're. What? You're
0: abusing me like that?
3: (laughs) Uh, I have two things that are weighing on my heart, and I just wanted to see and see what your insight is with them Uh, one is one of my majors in college was indigenous law and policy Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and you mentioned that they didn't really slaughter people but more the the Buffalo and actually there was 80 million indigenous peoples in North America and the founding fathers actually paid people that were immigrants here to slaughter um indigenous people so they actually had a price tag so seven dollars for a woman's scalp five dollars for a male scalp and three dollars for a kid's scalp and so that was the huge um genocide that happened in this country so i just wanted to speak into that and that now they're being yeah
0: i've kids. come from outside this country
3: yeah
0: i don't right. have rights to talk about those things yeah. i left it to you
3: yeah <laughs> thank you i just wanted to share with you because i, I thought if you know that that you could carry that in your spirit too and just keep sending out that that strong love that you have so thank you
0: see uh, i must tell you this i spoke about the buffalo because this this way of fighting a battle comes from europe europeans fought this kind of battles everywhere in the world you must see some of the travelers who traveled in india like, more than a millennia ago, some Italian travelers, some Chinese travelers, one thing they noted was two nations were in battle. They were fighting a war. In India, they fought war like this. The armies will assemble on a field. They will camp there with their food and everything. And on an appointed day, they'll start fighting each other. Exactly at sundown, the battle closes. They will attend to each other's wounded. And next day morning, again, they'll fight. So these people, the travelers noted, when full raging battle was happening in the country, the farmers were still tilling the land. Everything, trade, agriculture, everything was going on. Only soldiers fighting the battle. Never others were attacked. But it's only after External invasions came the first thing they did was burn your food This method of doing things comes from a certain region which they carried out here even during the civil war Though the same people all right, they burned the food first Burning of the crops and granaries has always been the first tactic because once you're hungry you will crawl You will not fight So, killing of the buffalo was in that context. And how many people died without food? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. How many scalps you collected? Maybe there is some account somewhere. That some terrible accounting system must be there, all right? But how many people died of hunger? That'll never be counted. During World War II, when the rest of the world was focused on what was happening to the Jewish community in Europe, what happened in India was a whole region, which was very rice growing region, the British army came and took away all the food, burned the boats and the bicycles and the bullock carts so that they cannot go out. They cut the telegraph wires so that they cannot inform the rest of the country what's happened. 3.65 million people died in four months of starvation. Okay? In four years, I think some six million Jews were something killed in Europe. But 3.65 million Indian people starved to death in a matter of four months.
3: Uh, My next question is something that you spoke a bit about, which is a big life's passion and work for me. I work a lot with um, sex offenders and people who have survived child sex trafficking, and you mentioned pornography, and over almost 80% of uh, women in pornography have been trafficked into pornography, and it's one of the highest um, paid industries in the world, Um, one of the wealthiest industries in the world. And so... What is your personal and perhaps global uh, opinion on pornography as maybe its own entity? And also, how do we take these wounds and actually create a healthy, fun, creative connection with each other that brings ecstasy rather than, than pain and, and warfare, I guess? So two kind of questions, one on pornography and one with sex. If you don't mind if it's appropriate, I don't know if you've ever been asked
2: that, but I'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't mind anything, which is life. See, uh, while we are here today, you and me are sitting here, because somebody had a sexual drive. Hello? Otherwise, you wouldn't exist, I wouldn't exist, all right? Having said that, the drive is there, But being human beings, we want to conduct it in a certain aesthetic. With a certain dignity, certain aesthetics, because anything we do, we like to do it aesthetically, isn't it? This is human nature. Well, I cannot say this about dogs anymore because I may get arrested in the United States for that, but let's say an animal, wherever he finds food, he'll grab it. We would also do that, do that if we lived in nature and we were struggling for survival. Wherever we found food, we would eat. But once our survival is taken care of, we present it nicely, we serve it nicely, we eat it in a delicate way. Hello? Because our pleasure of eating the food is more in the aesthetics than the food itself actually. That is the way a human being is made, isn't it? Yes or no? So the same thing extends to all the basic necessities that we have for survival. First and foremost thing is the food. Then we need a place to hide. We could have just borrowed a hole and lived in this garden, but we built a nice house. It became too nicer, 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 too nice it became, that's a different matter. But we want to live in a aesthetic atmosphere. Next thing is sexuality because that's connected to the reproduction and the making of the next generation and all these things. Well, it is also an important tool for two people to bond in some way. It is not that that's the only way to bond. Unfortunately, it's become like this in today's world. If you say a relationship, immediately people think you must have some body-based relationship. Right now, I'm sitting here answering your question. I have a relationship with you. But I can't say this in this country. If I say I have a relationship, they think I have something to do with your body. A very unfortunate, and limited way of having relationships. There are various kinds of relationships, isn't it? Hello? There are many ways in which we can hold human relationships. Unfortunately, we've brought it down, everything... Two bodies must rub, only then you have relationship. So right now, if I do not have a relationship with you, why would I answer your question? I have a relationship with you. That's why I answer the question. So like this, we have many relationships. We have relationship with our teachers, with our parents, with our brothers and sisters, with our neighbors, with our dog, with our cat, with our whatever else, don't we have? Hello? Relationships of various kinds. Why do we hold these relationships? We go to workplace and we have one kind of relationship. That is to fulfill the activity there. We need a certain kind of relationship. We're driving on the road. With all the other people who are driving, we need a relationship. Otherwise, we may end. All right. Many people are showing, you know, sticking their fingers at each other. They're, that's the kind of relationship they hold. But don't we have a relationship if both of us are walking on the street that you're coming, I go this way. Is that not a relationship, I'm asking? It's a transaction, isn't it? So relationships are a variety of relationships. In all this, one relationship which is body-based which we used to say only husband and wife. Now, well, we call them partners. Well, we call them friends, whatever we want to call them. It doesn't matter. But essentially, you are letting two lives overlap on two important aspects. Well, intellectually, you may not be overlapping, but physically and emotionally, you're overlapping. These are two sensitive areas. If I step on your body, you're not going to take it. If it's an accident, you may say, okay. But if I step on your, your body in, by intent, you're not going to take it. If I step on your emotion, you're not going to take it. But with one person, you allow that. You allow them to step on your body. You allow them to step on your emotional space. This should happen in a certain aesthetic, with a certain sensitivity. Then only there is beauty to it. If you do it violently, you think it's a sport. Or you think it's a conquest. It's a sad way to live. Most people are looking at it like a conquest. They want to conquer somebody in a brutal way. Well, the brutality that is happening in the name of sexuality is not only disgusting, it is deeply distressing because we are training a whole generation of people like this. The way the young people are looking at each other is not with sensitivity. I'm not saying everybody. But we are cultivating a whole generation of people that we can only look at human beings, particularly women, only as a sum of body parts. They're not full-fledged human being. You're just this, this and this. They're only interested in three, four parts of the body. Rest of it, no. You're not taking a human being as a human being. There is a very deep significance to accepting another human being as a human being. Man, woman, child, it doesn't matter. Accepting another life as a life like yourself. So all this was enshrined in so many different ways. Cultures trying to enshrine this in our minds because there is an animal drive also within the human being. After all, you you are okay with evolution or are you creation? You evolved because I come from Tennessee, so I'm asking you. (laughs) So we evolved from being a single-celled animal through many, many things. Today, modern neurologists are also telling you, you have a fish-sized reptilian brain in your head. So there is this big reptilian brain, which is always thinking of survival, aggression, fixing boundaries. But it's the flower of cerebral cortex which has made you a human being. What made you a human being is this flowering which happened, which is always thinking of expansion and inclusion. There is this one which is always thinking of tightening the boundaries and conquest. The only way you can have somebody in your life, if you have set your boundaries tight, is by imposing yourself on their boundary, isn't it? You may call it sex, you may call it rape, you may call it murder, but essentially it is that you are trying to impose upon their boundary, isn't it? Now, there is something within a human being, no matter where you are, what you are, whatever you may have in your life, you still want to be something more, isn't it so? Hello? This is a longing to expand. Will you these? Will you do this longing to expand by conquest or by inclusion? This is the choice you have. If you do it by inclusion, we say this is love. Because there is a certain beauty to inclusion. When you include somebody as a part of yourself, as a part of anything, if you just include somebody that you do not know into a meal that you are eating, there is a certain beauty and a certain fantastic nature to it, isn't it? So if you include somebody in your life, there is a certain wonder and beauty in that. If you impose yourself on somebody, there is a certain ugliness to it. If you don't recognize between the two, then you will just, you are trying to undo the evolution that
1: nature did for you. I think that is all we have time for. Thank you so much for the pleasure that this has been. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing ways in which we can support one another on our journeys. I would love to get a group photo before we leave. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And Beautiful. There's and there's also food over there for those that are staying. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.
2: Thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Aww. <laughs> Aww. Thank you. So it's just like one of those wild things in life that opens up like synchronistically, serendipitously. Everything goes right and everyone's suddenly available and it was really impactful for a lot of people including myself. It was really really beautiful as well to see the vulnerable moments. Um, with Sadhguru in the audience, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing other ways in which we can share this message of self-transformation. Thank you to everyone who's watching this. Thank you to the people that are tuning in. Thank you to the people who have that curiosity alive still within them. The world needs it more than ever right now. Blessings.
2: <laughs> Bye, Sadhguru. <laughs>